and welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Narrow Road Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Bowyer, and it is my pleasure to be back with you for another episode today. Uh, I am really excited about this because I want to do a series on the book of First John. <clears throat> this is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I probably have a lot of favorite books, but this is definitely top five, maybe top three. I love this book. I find it so piercingly true and yet gentle in even with some of the harshest things that it shares or teaches. I find it beautiful, just beautiful. I loved John's relationship with Jesus. I loved that throughout the Gospel of John, he refers to himself as the beloved. I love that he does that because it's like every single time he refers to himself in that nature, he's offering that as an example to all of us of our identity in Christ. He so understood who he was in light of God. He knew he was a son. He knew that he was the beloved of God. He was the loved of God, and he owned that. He owned that identity, and he washed himself in that identity and referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved because Oh, I just think it's so incredible that he understood that simple truth so clearly, so thoroughly, and so unapologetically. And I feel like just that in and of itself is such a good example of the boldness we are to live in Christ, the authority we have to know our identity that God died to give us. And so I just want to read probably two chapters because I want to make this a couple of days, two to three days worth of a series of study on this book, because it's very short. It's a very short book, but it is so to the heart of, of everything. It's to the point. And um, yeah, so I hope that you'll come on this path, this journey with me. I hope you've read the book of First John for yourself before, but if you haven't, let me introduce it to you, and I hope that you begin to see it similarly to me that you see the riches that are in such a small small book written by the one whom Jesus loved himself the apostle John let's go oh I just get this cozy feeling whenever I settle in to read the book of John I think because first John I should say I think it's because his emphasis is love he just drips with the love of God. He lives in the love of God. He spreads and shares and inspires with the love of God. And yeah, I mean, really, that's that's God. That's who God is. And so, of course, this book would be cozy. <laughs> it, it is. Um, but before I dive into the beginning of chapter one, which is an extremely short chapter, I want to read the opening sort of notes, I guess. You know how most Bibles have like a little sort of starter paragraph that's kind of setting up the book for you, giving some context and that kind of thing. I'm reading from my own personal New King James Version Bible. 
Um, and I want to just read the little sort of synopsis that they have before we actually get into the scripture itself. It says this, God is light, God is love, and God is life. John is enjoying a delightful fellowship with that God of light, love, and life, and he desperately desires that his spiritual children enjoy the same fellowship. God is light, therefore to engage in fellowship with him, we must walk in light and not in darkness. And as we walk in the light, we will regularly confess our sins, allowing the blood of Christ to continually cleanse us. Two major roadblocks to hinder this walk will be falling in love with the world and falling for the alluring lies of false teachers. God is love. Since we are his children, we must walk in love. In fact, John says that if we do not love, we do not know God. Love is more than just words. It is actions. Love is giving, not getting. Biblical love is unconditional in its nature. Christ's love fulfilled those qualities and when that brand of love characterizes us, we will be free of self-condemnation and experience confidence before God. God is life. Those who fellowship with him must possess his quality of life. Spiritual life begins with spiritual birth, which occurs through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ infuses us with God's life, eternal life. Although the Apostle John John's name is not found in this book, it was given the title the first of John. Okay, so with that little synopsis setting us up here, let's go straight in to 1 John chapter 1, verse, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So that is chapter 1. I want to say a few things here. So firstly, at the very beginning of this, he says, that which was from the beginning. He's actually sort of inadvertently quoting the first verse of the book of John, as in the Gospel of John, which says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So he's referring to the very beginning. So that which was from the beginning, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So he's saying the God from the beginning, we have seen, we have looked upon, our hands have touched him. He was manifested to us, and we now, having seen and heard, we declare to you 
that you may have fellowship with us, that you can be in this with us. And we are sharing this with you, this gospel, this deeper knowledge and truth of who Jesus is, was, and will forever be. We're sharing this with you. Why? So that your joy may be full. (laughs) I love that. I love that. He's saying the almighty God that has been since the beginning, we've seen him, we've touched him, we've heard him, we've walked with him. And now we're just giving you whatever we have to give from that experience that your joy may be full, that you can be in this as much as we're in this. I love that. I love the humility. I love the lack of selfishness. There's no desire or need in him to keep any secrets to himself, so to speak. He wants all of his sort of spiritual children, which this book is clearly written to those he has ministered to and led throughout his life. He's writing this to them to grow them up, to mature them. Then he goes on to talk about how God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And I want to talk about that because I know a couple of days ago I did a podcast on walking in the dark. And I just want to make sure there's a clear disparity there between walking through a dark season and walking in darkness as as John is describing darkness because he's equating darkness with someone who's living in sin, who's actively sort of calling themselves a believer of Jesus, but they're living extremely sinful lives, or just not even extremely, just sinful lives. And that is, by John's definition, what it is to be walking in darkness. And he says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So it's different to be walking through a season that feels dark and difficult and hard and you don't see God or feel God. It's, it's, that's very different than you're actively sinning in whatever season of life you are. You're living as a counterfeit, essentially. So it's important that we understand those disparities, especially given that we did a podcast on the concept of darkness, redeeming the concept of darkness a couple of days ago, because as the God of the Old Testament has shown us, he has created light and dark. And so we need to have sort of a clear understanding of the, of the terminology so we don't get confused. He says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Mm. This is important. Because again, go back to another podcast, I can't remember what number it was, but it was the podcast on sin. The Remember the unbreakable grip of sin? Through Jesus, we have broken the grip of sin. We're no longer compelled or under compulsion or under obligation to live in a sinless, a sinful state, to live in separation from God. However, we still can sin as Christians, right? It's not like you are a Christian, therefore you're perfect instantly, 100%. It's, it's a journey, right? This is the narrow road of walking into salvation, walking into sanctification. So he's saying, don't lie to yourself and say you don't sin. Obviously, the desire of our hearts and the goal of our hearts is to not sin. But are we likely to still sin against God in some way, if not with our lips or with our behaviors, perhaps with our uh the intent of our heart, the posture of our, of our minds, sure, right? And so he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I think this word goes for people who don't know God, you know, who want to say, I don't, I don't sin. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't, that's a silly term. Well, it might seem like a silly term to someone who doesn't understand God or doesn't read the Bible, but that doesn't mean you're not sinning. (laughs) But it also, he's obviously talking as well to his own spiritual children. So He's saying, don't deceive yourself into believing you don't sin. Be on guard and confess when you do sin. Confess it to God, big and small, anytime, all the time, that he can forgive you and cleanse you. And I believe that as you walk closer and closer and closer to God, that will have to happen less and less and less because you now have the option of whether or not you're going to sin and you have to make a an active choice to sin once you're inside of Christ because you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So you have to actively choose to rage against your new nature when you sin. So I don't think that as a Christian, it's actually as easy or even close to being as easy as it was before you knew God. However, it's not impossible. So he's trying to encourage people, hey, don't don't deceive yourself that you can or won't or don't sin. You will, you do. Just make sure you do right by God and you get it off of you and out of you through confession. Let's carry on into chapter 2. Okay, so John continues on. We're in chapter 2, verse 1. This is right after he said, hey, confess your sins. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. A new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, and darkness does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. I'm going to stop there in chapter 2, because chapter 2 continues to go on. It's a little bit longer one, and I want to save some of what he says for um, tomorrow. Plus, I think he says so much just now that there's plenty to unpack here. 
I think that I, well, I know that I love the first verse of chapter two because we've already talked about this in previous uh, podcasts when we were talking about the unbreakable grip of sin. We were talking about how we have an option right now. We have an option of how we live inside of Christ. We have divine empowerment inside of us to live higher than sin, to live different than we lived before we knew God. And he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Again, this is, we've, we've studied this scripture before, that you may not sin. Because he's creating that, the language is important. He's saying your, your option is there. I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, if, I, that if is so important. If anyone, not when But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Mm. So, so, so good. Then he goes on to say, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. What was Jesus' commandments? If you go back into the Gospels, what did Jesus say? In In this all the law of the prophets is summed up, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and what? And love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor, love other people the way you would look after yourself, the way you would love yourself. These are the great commandments. So he says, we know that we know him if we keep these commandments. Whoever says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. John is so straight up. I love it. He's so straight up. He just says, you're a liar. <laughs> you're a liar. I'm not, I'm not going to like mince words. I'm not going to make it nicer. You're just, you're a liar. <laughs> you don't know God if you aren't keeping his commandments. If you're not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, the, these two commandments sound so simple. Jesus said, in them they fulfill all the law and the prophets. <laughs> Yet we know that loving sometimes our neighbor as ourself isn't as easy as it sounds and we also sometimes know that loving god to the degree we may want to love him or need to love him isn't as easy as as we think it would be right because the world is a competitive place it is competing for our love it's competing for our attention every single day but he says hey if you say you know him but you don't keep these commandments You're a liar, and the truth isn't in you. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. The Bible uses the word perfect and perfected many, many times in the New Testament. It's kind of synonymous with complete or made whole, made full. So God, the love of God is completed in you when you keep his word. When you keep his word, when you keep those commandments, when you live from that place of love, everything about the love of God is made complete in you. And it's it's how you can check your own self. He says, by this we know that we're in him. You can look at yourself and say, am I operating out of love and in love? Am I or am am I not? You you have your own sort of uh, checklist that you can check yourself. You can actually check yourself and know where you stand. Then he says this, and this is so intense. Chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself to walk just as he walked. 
He who says he abides in him ought to walk just as Jesus walked. Man, that's convicting. (laughs) Am I walking just as Jesus walked? Probably not. Probably not. (sighs) But you know what? He's calling us higher. He's not condemning. He's just calling you higher. He's, He's showing you where the bar is. He's showing you like the standard of God is a real standard. And there's, there's real ways to see, do I look like Jesus? Do I sound like him? Do I smell like him? Do I affect people like him? If I don't, I, I've got I to gotta, I gotta think about that. I've got to talk to God about that. I've got to be honest with myself. He says, the only new commandment I'm writing to you, and it's really not even a new commandment, let's say, because it's still what he's saying here is summed up in, in what Jesus has already said. But he said, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. And I think the reason why he's adding that is because Christianity is forming and we're forming the, the family of God, right? So we look to each other and we say, you're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. So while we're not related by blood, we're related in the spirit, right? So he's introducing this terminology of our brother, our brethren, in a sense of, of an expectation of how we are to live. And he says, he who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness, So if you're a Christian, but you hate someone else who is in the faith with you, then you're in darkness. But he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. For he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Hmm. So we are called to love those who call Jesus their, their, their brother, who call God their father. We're called to love them. And I, I actually wrote a blog about this not long ago because I realized that in my own life, oftentimes my greatest, deepest pains have come from people in the church. And so other Christians have been really hard for me to love at times. And I found that it was easier for me to love people who weren't in the church. I actively feel that way because I feel like I have so much more compassion and understanding for them. And people who are in the church and have the Bible like I have the Bible and serve God like I serve God, I'm like, how can you be so cruel <laughs> when they're cruel? Or how can you be so sort of conniving or rude or judgmental or whatever the thing is that really drives me away from someone? And ultimately, in my blog, I came down to the conclusion that I think that there's a lot of people ultimately, who go to church, but they're religious. They don't actually love God. They don't actually have a relationship with God. And that's a whole different topic uh, I could get into at another time. But I, I, because when I have met people who genuinely, sincerely love and adore Jesus, they're like the easiest people to love. I don't understand how you couldn't love them. You know, it's just, they look like Jesus. They sound like Jesus, but it's the people who are in church who ge- who genuinely don't know God, regardless of their religious ritual. They don't know him. And those are the ones that I find quite difficult to love. But he's saying, if you hate your brother, if you hate your brother, and the important thing is, is brother, meaning someone walking with God. If you hate that person, you're not in, you're not in the light. How can you hate someone who's walking in the same light that you're, that you're supposedly in? Well, the only reason you would hate them is because you're not in the light. So 
It's just like, this is straight to the heart, straight to the heart. He's trying to get you to look at yourself and really, really take inventory. And then the last few verses here, he says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I feel like in this, and I'm sure there's a lot of studies just on this passage alone, but the way this is always read to me was he's talking about your maturity in the faith, how who you become and how what you become as you age up in God, from children to young men to fathers, from children to young women to mothers. With this maturing in the spirit that we all get to engage in. And so I feel like in this, he's just giving us the understanding of who we are inside of God as we age up. As a child, you come to this understanding that your sins are forgiven. As, as young men, you understand that you've overcome the wicked one. You've, you've had these battles, you've had spiritual battles, and you've matured up and learned how to fight and learned how to stand for yourself, stand with God, inside of God, against the attacks on your life. And as fathers, you have known him. You have come into this place of spiritual maturity where you know him. It's not just about overcoming battles anymore. There's a place, almost a place of rest, where you live inside of the knowing of God. You're beyond this revelation of like, hey, I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm, I'm free of sin. And you've matured beyond the constant sense of I'm battling for my identity and I'm pushing against the enemy to, to, to take new ground. And you're resting now in your knowledge of God. Then he says, I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one, which is just him seemingly reinforcing the same, the same sort of steps, but in a different order, which I think is really interesting. So I'm going to leave it there for tonight. I'm really, really excited to get through the last half of the John chapter 2 and perhaps um, even into John chapter 3 tomorrow. So yeah, it's a pleasure to go through one of my favorite books with you and I hope that you enjoy it as well. And hey, go back and pick it up for yourself and read it thoroughly tonight. Maybe read these first two chapters to yourself and see what jumps off the page at you that I'm not saying or I'm not... I'm not picking up myself at this time. And yeah, just let it. I know it's some, some of the things he's saying seem like, man, he's just getting straight to you. But know that his heart is love. Know that he's speaking truth. He's speaking truth and love. And that it gets even more cozy from here. And I'm just kind of loving this sort of Bible study vibe at the moment. So let's keep this going. I will be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Narrow Road podcast. So I hope you will join me there. Thank you so much and bye-bye.